And the more that I operate in signs and wonders, and the more that I um, teach other people how to operate in signs and wonders, I, I realize what Jesus means when he said, the Father in me did the work. Um, you know, the Father is amazing. He has a solution to every problem. Nothing's a surprise to him. Nothing overwhelms him. Nothing um, gets him stressed out. You know what I mean? Like, nothing phases him. And I don't know if you've ever read a book by Graham Cook, but it's called Crafted Prayer. It's a great book. And it's a story about how real prayer, real intercession, is finding out what God's doing and just declaring that back to him. And that's all that Jesus did. He just, he said, whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. He said, of my own self, I can do nothing. So I've just determined in my own life to do nothing without the Father telling me what to do. I've decided to become like a little child. And it works. I mean, the the things that happen, this morning I just got woke up, you know, with... And that happens to me a lot. I get woke up with a word of knowledge or woke up with a vision or woke up with stuff. And it's awesome because it's effortless. I can take no credit for it. It's, like, it's just a total God thing. And um, we're going to pray, but we're going to do that from a place of whatever he says do it. Amen? What I want to do is um, today I, I wanted to get into a, something that's really been on my heart. It's been on my heart because God's been ministering to me about it. It's been, it'll build on a lot of the things that I've already been talking about. How many of you have read the book Mystical Union? How many of you have finished the book Mystical Union? Raise your hand if you finished it. Okay, how many of you knew you were supposed to read it and haven't read it yet? It should be the rest of the people that call Prayer Mountain home that didn't raise their hand. So let me ask you again. How many of you have finished the book? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. Okay. How many of you have known that you're supposed to read the book? Raise your hand if you know you're supposed to read the book and just haven't done it. It's okay. I'm not going to spank you or anything. I just want to... Okay. All right? I, but, I, you know, I just I want to know because I'm serious about this. I mean, I, this is not like... Let me say this. Your union with Christ is the foundation of your Christianity. And until you have a proper foundation, you cannot build any other doctrine on top of it. You cannot build any doctrine in Christianity on something other than union with Christ. You were crucified with him. You were buried with him. You were raised with him. And now you're seated with him. You are not separated. We're not trying to pray to a God. We're not trying to work miracles in his name apart from him. We're not trying to do anything apart from him. Jesus said that we are to abide we are to remain. And so I can tell you, honestly, honestly, because I am fairly established in this, that 90, probably about 90% of teaching, of worship, of what we are hearing as in pulpits and in books and in the prophetic movement is not coming from a new covenant established perspective of union with Christ. And I'm just telling you, once you get established in this, it will ruin you. It will ruin you. You, can't, you won't be able to worship with the same perspective. You won't be able to, I mean, 
You know, we, we had Bethel here that see amazing miracles. They see amazing miracles. They were here last week. And my whole conversation with the team was, Shalise, we need more of this thing with the union. Because they're having all kinds of encounters with God. They're having wonderful, amazing encounters with God. But there's still an element of it that's separate. You know, you can, have, you can walk along the Sea of Galilee with Jesus all day. You can, you can go with him as he raised Lazarus from the dead and be in awe of all the things that Jesus did. But Jesus primarily modeled oneness with the Father. And he said, the same works that I do, you will do. Why? Because you're going to be just like me. You're going to be one with the Father. And let me say this. We have way too many self-help programs, way too many counseling programs, way too many low self-esteem prop-me-up programs in the body of Christ because we have an image of ourselves that is apart from the Godhead. And we need to just, that, that view of self is not Christianity. Jesus literally came to eradicate that paradigm. He came, he said his veil, he tore the veil of his flesh to get, so we could get into the Holy of Holies. Well, guess what? The Holy of Holies is Jesus. Jesus is the Holy of Holies. It's not a place. It's a person. And now we enter into the holy of holies by faith. We get inside of Jesus. And not only do we get inside of Jesus, but he's inside of us. We are surrounded. Amen? He's in us. We're in him. And now we are one. And the word of God in John 17, Jesus prayed. He said, hey, the world will know that, I, that you sent me when they are one just as you, Father, and I are one. Union, now listen, forget, forget un, unity in the body of Christ until we get union in Christ. You know, there's many members but one body. The Trinity is three in one. This, you know, the whole idea of multiple things becoming one and there being perfect harmony and perfect unity and perfect synchronization in that relationally is something that we need revelation on. Okay, now today I'm going to be talking about something. That the, the title of the message today is called Practicing Rest. Practicing Rest. Now this does not mean that we all go home and lay in our beds. Although, that's a good thing to do. It's a really good thing to do because some of us are working so hard for things that we already have. Yeah, amen? All right, so let's, let's, let's do a little, a little PowerPoint here this morning, okay? First of all, let's go to scriptures, Proverbs 23, 7. Proverbs 23, 7 is a powerful scripture. It's a powerful principle because it, it literally is the secret of how all transformation takes place. See, what Christ accomplished on the cross is actually finished, but what you believe about what Christ accomplished on the cross will determine how much you experience of what was finished. <clears throat> Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. All right? So what you think about you, whether it's true or not, will determine what you experience. What you think about your identity 
will define your identity, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. So getting into agreement with the gospel is really important. Understanding the gospel, what really Christ accomplished on the cross, what really he did for you, for me, what really happened when we got born again. That you, you know, you are a new creation. Old things passed away and all things became new. That there is a new person. That the old man was crucified. The old things passed away. Your sin nature, the old corrupt nature was nailed to the cross. The ordinances written against you, nailed to the cross. Your, not just the sins... But the entity called sin that was inside of you, sin was extracted out of you. And now you are holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians 4.24 says you were recreated in righteousness and true holiness. You were recreated with a new nature, a righteous nature, Ephesians 4.24. And this righteousness is not something that you earned. It's a gift. Amen? It's just a gift. And you receive it through your faith. It says, by grace, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 2 says, by grace, through faith. You are saved. That word saved is the Greek word sozo. It doesn't just mean by grace through faith are your sins forgiven. Salvation is not just about sins forgiven. It's salvation from sin. You are saved from sin. The grace of God empowers you to live sin free. Because you no longer have the nature. Your nature is not in agreement with sin. You're not. at the, the real you is not in agreement with anything other than love. And sin is nothing more than stepping outside of love. That's all sin is. Sin is the opposite of love. Any kind of sin that you can name at its root is, 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 is fear, you know, because in, in, in love, there is no fear. In love, there is no sin. Holiness is nothing more than protecting love. Holiness protects love at all costs. Matter of fact, holiness protected love to the degree that it killed, it submitted itself to death, because that was the way to protect love. Okay, now, I said that because... We've got to enter into what was accomplished on our behalf. And we've got to rest in it. We have to rest in this. And there's so, whether we realize it or not, a lot of times we're striving for something that we already are. We're striving to be accepted. We're striving for approval. We're striving for significance. We're, we're, we're doing things to be something. 
We're doing things to be recognized. We're already recognized. We're doing things to be secure. Well, no, you're already secure. His love is the most secure foundation that you can operate from. Paul prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God, immovable, unshakable, founded securely on the love of God. And this is how we know how much God loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. So he didn't die for us. He didn't give us the greatest gift, which was himself, his very blood. He didn't give you that gift. He didn't give me that gift when I was good. He gave it when I was dead in sin, incapable of good. That's how much he loved us. While we were yet sinners at our worst state, I mean, you're better than you were. Amen? It's a secure love because it, was, it, it came to you when you had nothing to offer God. And let me say this, we still have nothing to offer God except what he's given us. Everything he comes to us is a gift. Our self-esteem is based upon him and him alone. Our value is based upon his blood. That is our value. You're valuable because Christ died for you. And it says a good man might die for a righteous man. But not many would die for an unrighteous. Well, Jesus died for you and me. He died for the world. That's love. Love literally laid down his life for the wicked, for the worst sinner, for the most incomprehensible, disgusting, most horrible thing you can think of. God loved so much that he died in spite of that, for that, to eradicate that. That is the only foundation for our lives. It is not our own opinion of ourselves. We need to get over that. You cannot exalt your opinion of yourself above the opinion of God. That is idolatry. It's selfishness. It's self-centeredness. You cannot exalt the opinions of other people above the opinion of God. That means good opinions. That means bad opinions. Any opinion. There is no opinion besides God. We live for God, unto God, through God, in God. He is our existence. He's everything. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the author. He's the finisher. Amen? It's, we started in Him. We're going to finish in Him. Amen? Okay. Now, what, but what you believe is important. Because if you don't know this, yeah, you can hand this out, Jeff. If you don't know the truth about what Christ accomplished at the cross for you, you'll be basing your identity on something other than the finished work of Christ. Paul said this. He said, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. When somebody comes to you and says, you da-da-da-da-da, you, you should say, who are you talking about? That person died. Becoming offended. Dead people are not offended. 
I believe that it is possible to live unoffended. I believe that it is possible to live without getting your feelings hurt. I believe that it is possible to not have a grid for being offended. Offense is centered in self. Okay, now let's just go really quick to John 19. I'll take you through some scriptures here. John 19. In verse 30. No, I don't know why I'm in 20. Here we go. John 19 and verse 30. It says, When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, you have to realize that. Jesus, at that moment, when he breathed his last breath and he gave up his spirit, man, I can't even imagine how good that must have felt to God. I mean, he, has, he had been planning that moment since before the foundation of the world. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, this is what it says. In Revelation 13, verse 8, it says, And all of the inhabitants of the earth will fall down in adoration and pay him homage. Talked about Jesus. Everyone whose name are not written in the Lamb's book of life of the Lamb that was slain in sacrifice from the foundation of the world. So, before God ever said, let there be light, it was finished. God dwells outside of time, and he planned an eternal redemption long before he set the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Matter of fact, he prophesied to the serpent... In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of the coming Messiah that was going to bruise the serpent's head. This plan, it was not a plan B, it was the original plan. The original plan was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 talks more about what God planned before the foundation of the world. God had a plan for you and knew you before he said, let there be light. Now I'm just going to start reading in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, a special messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by the divine will, the purpose and the choice of God to the saints, the consecrated set-apart ones at Ephesus, who were also faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. 
one of the things I would encourage you to do is when you start reading the New Testament, and I also really encourage you, if you've not spent time in the Pauline epistles, spend time in the Pauline epistles. Because you need to, that, that is where God reveals what the gospel is all about. And if you'll do that and start to circle phrases like in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, you'll start to see, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of times that Paul talks about who we are in Christ, what we've been given through Christ, and what was accomplished by Christ. And here's what he says, that we, you know, so that's that in Christ Jesus. It says, may grace, God's unmerited favor and spiritual peace, be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. May blessing be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, or with, every, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Even as in his love, he chose us, and the Amplified it says, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now let me just say this. You existed in Christ before the foundation of the world. Your existence didn't begin through the conception in your mother's womb. That's not when you first existed. You were chosen before you were physical. You were placed and picked. You were known. He couldn't pick you if he didn't know you. He knew you before he said, let there be light. And he chose you as his own. That's powerful. That's your beginning. Don't let anybody else tell you your origin. Don't let anybody else define you by your natural heritage. You are not a product of your, of your physical mother and of your physical father. I mean, granted, blessing, kids are blessings from the Lord. But for a lot of people, they are still living as though their identity is in they're human gene- genealogy, and it's not. Your, your genealogy is in Christ. Your human genealogy was crucified with Christ. You inherited your sin nature from those parents. But you inherited your righteous nature from your heavenly Father. This is where you began. <coughs> you began in the heart of God. You were his idea. Paul says it this way in verse 1, that he was an apostle. He was a special messenger by the divine will, the purpose, and the choice of God. That's why we're called the elect. How many of you know our president is elected? You know what that means? He's chosen. You're elect. You're the elect because you're chosen. You've been elected to be in Christ how many of you ever were, like, in student council and you lost? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that feels terrible to lose. Like, you run and you lose and you think, man, I'm a loser. Well, you're not a loser. You were elected. You were elected and you were placed in Christ. You have a, an inheritance and a, a heritage. This is your family line. This is royal blood. This is 
the most divine nature. You are divine. You are not just human. You are supernatural. And you were born from above. You were born a supernatural, unseen birth. And you have no idea what you're packing. You are packing. Talk about packing heat. Amen? They may take our guns, but they can never take our heat. Amen? Because you are packing the power. Whether you feel it or not. Whether you wake up depressed, PMSing, whatever, you're packing the heat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you feel. Your feelings are not the barometer of truth. The Word of God is the only source of truth. It's the only source. It's the only source. And if you exalt anything else, you will be deceived. You will walk in deception because you are exalting something besides what the gospel says, what the book of Ephesians says about the church, about believers in Christ, and about who you are. This is who you are. You were chosen. Chosen before he created the world. Chosen in him. Chosen in love. You weren't chosen in lust. Amen? You were chosen in love, by love, for love, through love. Love is your reason for existence. The foundation of your life is love. You are loved. 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 You are are not rejected. Your worth is not based upon the number in your bank account. Your worth is not, is not based on the color of your skin. Your worth is not based upon your country of origin, on, your, on the diplomas you have hanging on your wall, on, on how good you do anything. Like if you're good at that, you're valuable. If you're bad at that, you're not. God's cheering for you before you ever get on the field. You are... You are absolutely chosen. And you were chosen in a certain way. Okay, it says this. Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself, for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he says that we should be holy. Now consecrated means set apart. That's another powerful way of saying you're not just chosen. But you were set apart for a special use. Consecrated means, oh no, I'm keeping that one aside for my special use. Holy is to mean separated. You were separated for a purpose. Paul said he was separated from his mother's womb to be an apostle. You're you're separated for a purpose. God designed you with a purpose in mind. If you've ever studied manufacturer's manuals, Brian was looking for the ATV manual this weekend. He's wanting to know if I knew where it was. I was like, I have no idea where that thing is. But you know what? He was looking in that manual to find out how that ATV was designed. Amen? And God is the manufacturer of who you are. And again, if you go to any other source to find out who you are, how you've been designed to function, what you're capable of, what your potential is, then you will be deceived. You will be deceived because you can do things you've never thought you can do. Your potential is unlimited. 
And the only reason you haven't experienced it, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you haven't, you haven't gotten in agreement with your unlimitless potential. What is actually possible for you? I'm just, yes, all things. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. All things are possible. It, it's, you're, you're, billionaire, you want to be a billionaire? You, you feel you're called? That's possible. That's possible. You're called to transform a nation. That's possible. Walking on water, stilling a storm, anything in the Bible that you've read, it's possible. God's not a respecter of persons. Okay, now here's, let's keep going. It says, you would be holy, consecrated, set apart for him, and blameless in his sight. Blameless. Blameless, without blame. Whose fault is it? Not yours. Who messed up? Not you. Who blew it? Not you. Who sinned? Not you. Even though you did, not true. Why? Because of what Jesus finished. He paid one sacrifice for all sins, for all men, for all time. It's an eternal redemption. He went into the Holy of Holies one time. He's not being re-sacrificed for what... It's paid for. It's not only paid for, it was eradicated. It wasn't covered. It was spot removed. It exists only in the minds of men. The sin problem exists only in the minds of men. By the way, when did, he, when did he see you blameless? Before the foundation of the world. He chose you in love to be holy and blameless in Christ. Why? Because he put you in Christ. It's not a performance-based, task-based relationship. We can rest from our own works. We can rest from our own striving. We can rest from trying to be good and just be good. Because you were made good. You don't have to try to be good. You are good. And when you recognize that you are good, you be good. You can't try to be something you already are. Do you understand how that nullifies the very possibility of ever attaining it? If you try to be holy when you're already holy, it's like a dog chasing its tail. You never reach the destination. That's why God said, be holy. Just be. Be holy. As your Father in heaven is holy. Be, ho- be perfect. Just be. Just be who you are. Just be holy. Just be perfect. Just be. Let there be light. Be holy. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a, a way of being, not a way of doing. And when you try to do something apart from being, you're striving. Meditate on that. 
You've got, your doing has to come from a, a state of being. And you've got to establish once and for all, you are who God says that you are. I think the hardest thing, especially to me, like in church life, is that we magnify what's wrong. We, we, just, we live in such a negative society, you know, it, a sensationalist society of, of, of magnifying the thing that's wrong. And when we do that, we are not magnifying the finished work of Christ. And we just exalt the wrong thing. Okay, let's keep reading here. It says, so that we should be holy and blameless in his sight. This is what it says, even above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us, he destined us, he planned in love for us to be adopted and revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him, and it was his kind intent. So that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, his favor and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. It says that we are in the beloved. Now, if you break up that word, break up that word beloved, what it means is beloved. Be loved. Do you know how many people are searching for love rather than recognizing that they are loved? And I'll say this. If you don't recognize that you are loved, you can't love. Because you will be operating from a deficit of love in your own heart. And what you are calling love is actually a selfish need for love. And then you, you, are, you don't love them. You need them. You don't love them. You need them. And you can't love what you... You can't love... That's not love. Love is, is something that you give. It's not something that you take. Everyone in this room is already loved. You're already loved. And if you don't have a foundation of being loved... You're not going to treat people well because you're going to be expecting them to love you. And oh, by the way, expecting other people to love you is not Christianity. There's nothing about expecting other people to love you that is in the gospel. It's not a part of the book. It's not a part. Expecting other, It says you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's about being loved, not about getting love, because you already got love. You are the loved. You are the loved. You're 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 the loved. And so you release everybody from your expectations that they have to act a certain way or do things a certain way for you to love them. No, you are loved. You are loved. Like this, you got to rest in this. You are loved. 
You got to practice this. I am loved. I am loved just the way I am right this minute. I was loved before I was born. I was loved before I was a sparkle in my daddy's eye. I was loved before I even could say my own name. I was loved before the first thing I ever did wrong. I was loved. I was born in love. I was chosen in love. I was adopted in love. I am loved. Because until you get that, the potential for you to have idols and to get your significance and to get your identity and to get your needs met in a way that is not ordained by God is endless. And it may not seem evil. It may not seem like a blatant sin. But it is, if it is fulfilling something in you that Christ accomplished for you, it's idolatry. If it's fulfilling something in you that Christ accomplished for you, it's idolatry. Ministry can be huge idolatry. Gifts, talents, um, calls, um, finances, hobbies, whatever, relationships, food, you name it. And it all, it all stems because we have not come, we've not entered into that rest of his love. I'm telling you when, you, when you can get to the place where you are loved, whether you do another thing the rest of your life, whether you lay on your bed till Jesus comes back, and you're going to be loved, no matter, like, it's not gonna, he's not going to love you more when you get out of the bed. He's not going to love you more when you go on the treasure hunt. He's not going to love you more when you make those millions. He's not going to love you more on the mission field. He's not going to love you more when you can sing that anointed song. He's not going to, he's not going to love He's not going to be more proud of you. Matter of fact, I think he's more proud of you when you're just trying to do, you know, like just, you have just faith. Faith is what pleases him. So just believing it pleases him. Believing his love, just trusting in his love, just saying, you know what, I'm loved. That pleases God. There's nothing worse than giving something to somebody and then, well, I'm not worthy to receive that. I mean, it takes all the joy of even the giving it. You're loved. And it's, we've got to get established in it. We have to get established in Papa's love. We have to get established in the love of Jesus Christ. We have to get established in the love of Holy Spirit. And so we've got to learn to practice it. Practice rest. Where am I, friend? Who knows? Um, but, okay. Rest in his goodness. Rest in his good mood. Rest in his provision. Just rest. Do you think your provision is based on anything other than who you are in Christ? Just rest. You, you can rest. And then I am, it, you, know, you know, there's nothing better than just feeling like you're okay. I'm okay. I'm loved. I'm okay just the way I am right now. I'm loved. I'm secure. You know, from that foundation, 
you can actually do something. And you're unmovable, you're unshakable, you're unoffendable. Because it's not about how everybody else is treating you. It's about how am I treating everybody else. It's called self-control. It's called governing yourself from the inside out. So, I just wrote some things on here. Stop trying and just be. Now, here's the way you can start to recognize if you're in rest or out of rest. Okay? There's warning signs, like a little indicator on a car. All right? Peace. Amen? Are you in peace? Where? I mean, like, just, you can take a little peace test, right? And be like, okay, it's kind of like a drug test, but not, right? It's a peace test. <laughs> I laugh at my own joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> anyway, but you can take, take a peace, a peace, a peace test. <laughs> and you can say, where is, my, where is my level of peace? You know like when we pray for the sick and we say, where's your pain level, one to ten? Okay, you can take a peace test. Where's your peace level from one to ten? Okay, like a level ten, you're in a trance, okay? Like you're like, okay, drooling on yourself, okay? You've gone to heaven, okay? And that's that's the, ultimate, the ultimate level, right? But if you're not in a trance drooling on yourself, where are you? And if you're out of peace, there's something that is, that is, that is, there's, there's a lie in there. There's something that you're believing about yourself, about the circumstances, about what's going on that is not true. And I, I would venture to say you're not resting. You're not resting in the goodness of God. You're not resting in the finished work. You're not resting in his provision. You're not resting in what he already finished. Hebrews 4 says, those that do have believed do enter rest. So your lack of peace, it also says that joy is found in believing. So if you don't have joy, you don't have peace, all right, then, then there's, there's something in there that needs to be adjusted. You need to labor. You need, that's where you work. You don't strive to be. You strive to rest. You work, all right. You work to get back into rest. You pick up your mystical union book. You get into the word of God. You, you, you get something that is, can preach the gospel to you. And let me say this. There's not a lot of stuff out there that preaches the gospel of the finished work of Christ. Y'all agree with me for my book, amen? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this till I die. And anybody that will listen. That we, we, because this is the place... We're the only place where fruit comes forth. Fruit only comes from rest. You will accomplish more in rest than you will ever accomplish chasing your tail. 
I mean, God is amazing. Everything we see was created in six days. Is anything too hard for God? I mean, who are we, you know, it's like the grasshopper image. Like, what, what were they looking at? Themselves. They stopped looking at what God had already, that's, that's, the, that's the, the Hebrews 4 analogy, is the Israelites couldn't enter into the rest, could not enter into the promised land, because they didn't mix what they heard with faith. And the gospel, if you don't mix the finished work of Christ with faith, you won't be able to enter into rest either. You have to believe that he's already done it. Amen? Amen. So you check your peace, check your joy, and then realize, I, somehow I got out of rest. I got out of rest. And then you got, how do you get back into rest? You just, you recognize you're out of rest. And then you get back into that place of, wait a second, oh, it's finished. I'm already, I'm complete, I'm perfect, I'm whole, I'm healed, I'm rich. What are you not in Christ? What are you lacking in Christ? There's nothing lacking, nothing missing. It's shalom. It's sozo in Christ. You've been placed in the one who is perfection. You've been placed in the one who is redemption. You've been placed in the one who is sanctification. You are inside of God. What does he lack? Nothing. You can rest. And let the Father do the work. You can let God be God. Amen? Now, does that mean that there's not... Let me just wrap with this. Does it mean that there's not going to be anything for you to do? Absolutely not. Jesus said, my Father here through two works, I work. You know, Jesus said, my need is to do the will of the Father. He said, he just what he said, of my own self I can do nothing. But as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I don't seek the will of my Father, but the will of the one that sent me. So yes, there's things to do. It's called walking in union. It's called living and moving and having your being in him. It's called experiencing union. It's called living from a place of rest. It's called, what are we going to do today, Papa? It's called going to the grocery store inside of Jesus. It's called going to the bank inside of Jesus. It's called walking to the park inside of Jesus. It's called going fishing inside of Jesus. It's called riding your bicycle inside of Jesus, going to the gym inside of Jesus. Everywhere you go, the kingdom of God has arrived. Everywhere you go, you are a walking opportunity to manifest Jesus. Jesus is wherever you are. Wherever you are, Jesus is there. And you guys, this community of believers is going to live this. We are going to impact this city. We're going to impact our spheres of influence. We're going to impact just by a lifestyle of union. So you've got to practice rest. You've got to practice resting and what's been accomplished on your behalf. Practice resting in his love. Write some of these things down. Just, and we'll stop with this. Rest in, his, rest in his love. Rest in his goodness. Rest in his provision. Rest in his peace. 
Rest in his wholeness. Rest in his finished work. Rest in the work he's already finished in you. Rest in the work that he's already finished in you. Rest in his approval. Rest in his pleasure. Rest in his holiness. Rest in his anointing. Rest in Christ. Rest in his love. Rest. Just rest. Rest, rest, rest. And then from that place, let me say this, in Christ, he's going to speak. He's going to speak. Okay? I had an activation that we kind of ran out of time to do, but let's just take a couple minutes and do it. In your handout, okay, there's an encounter, and there's some places for you to write, and I want you to take a few minutes, and we're just going to do this. It says, in your own words, begin to thank, praise, praise, and declare your love to Jesus. Focus on his goodness and love for you. Just write to him, talk to him. And then after a few minutes of that, you're going to shift gears. And I want you to ask him to show you what it looks like for you to live from a place of rest and acceptance. I want you to get an image of what you look like living in a place of rest and acceptance. Does that make sense? Okay, we're going to take just a few minutes to do that. So just begin to thank and praise him. Write your love to him. Everyone should be doing the assignment, not texting or whatever you're doing. This is for you. It's not, I didn't do this for me. Amen, I did it for you. So that you can... Visual, Because if you can get an image of this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you can get an image of what it looks like to be in rest, you can be a person in rest. All right, I want somebody to, when you're finished, to come up and share what it looks like for you to be practicing rest. What did Jesus show you? Who wants to share what Jesus showed you, you practicing rest and living from a place of rest? Come on up, Jay. I said, Jesus, I love you. Uh, thank you for loving me as is. So I love you as is too. I love your goodness and acceptance of me as is. Thank you for peace in your love. Jesus, I rest in your love for me as you rest in your love for me. And then he said, just be loved, Jeffrey. Be loved. No striving. Rest in my love for you personally and intimately. I am who I say I am. I am love. Love is in you already, so rest in my love for you as my son. Just rest. Be loved. Just be love, my beloved. Be accepted as I am accepted. Accept my acceptance of myself, and you can then accept yourself as I do. Be accepted and be loved in rest. Awesome. Awesome. Who else wants to share what your image of... Practicing rest, living from rest looks like. He showed me a picture of me with a really big smile on my face. And I thought I was in Africa at first, but then he just like picked me up and put me in a different country. 
and I, there was a whole bunch of kids everywhere I went. And then I saw another picture of me in like this really big mansion house with like nine kids that were mine and my wife, so it was really cool. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, who else wants to share what living and rest looks like? I see Jesus pushing me in a swing by a lake with green grass and trees all around. Then Jesus gets in the swing beside me and swings in the swing. Then Jesus is in me and I am in Jesus and we are on the swing swinging together. We fall backwards out of the swing on the grass laughing together and we just lay on the grass looking up at the sky. Jesus said, I push you in the swing. I am your momentum. I am the breeze on your face. I am literally the wind beneath your wings and I am literally your wings. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else want to share? Come on up. Okay, you can come next, Ray. You can come next, Ray. We'll do Fran and then Ray. Okay. So he gave me a picture of me and a lazy boy. (laughs) I was just in the lazy boy for all these pictures he gave me. So he gave me a picture of the lazy boy while I was healing people, um, singing. I was going down my wedding aisle in a lazy boy. (laughs) At the bank in a lazy boy. (laughs) And the nations in a lazy boy. And... He was just showing me how to be effortlessly be with the Godhead and do life in the glory. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Awesome, friend. <clears throat> okay, Ray. Praise the Lord. Uh, the Lord was showing me that to rest in peace, rest in love, in his love, and rest in his uh, finished work. And also, he says, when you're worried, you're not resting. Amen, Frank. That's so right, Ray. just... Rest. We got to rest. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's what he said to me. He said, um, living in rest looks like me, Jesus, being able to move and speak through you 24-7. It looks like Jesus, me, manifesting freely all the time. It looks like joy and glory without any effort on your behalf. It looks like revival at Walmart, Starbucks, City Markets, and Bucks. Everywhere I, you go, I am is able to move. He says, it looks like having fun 24-7 and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit without trying to. It looks like loving others effortlessly. Amen. I'll take that. I'm going to eat that. I'm just going to eat that. Amen. Well, good. Well, you guys have some homework this week. It's on the back of your paper. All right. It says, start each day asking Holy Spirit how to teach you to live from rest. Ask Holy Spirit to teach you how to live from rest. It says, ask Papa to father you and Jesus to put his yoke on you. How many of you know his yoke is easy? And his burden is light. Okay? It says, ask the awesome Godhead to shine the light on you and show you areas of your life where you're striving to be something rather than resting who they already made you to be. Ask them to remind you to live from being rather than doing something. Resist the urge to do and choose to just be with God. 
Make notes in your journal throughout the week about your experience and come prepared next week to write, write out a testimony of your experience this week of practicing rest. Amen? I'll say this. People around you will be impacted by your rest. Your decision to rest is going to be breakthrough for other people. You experiencing your union is going to release heaven this week. Your experiencing union is going to make the difference, a big difference in someone's life this week. Amen? So it's not just about you. It's about heaven. Coming, amen? And it's going to be fun. So good, awesome. Well, let's do this. Let's, um, I got, you know, Catherine and Brian and the kids, their kids are driving up to Indiana today uh, because, as you may know, Catherine's mom had been diagnosed with leukemia and they'd gone through a round of chemo and they had no um, success with that. So they're at the place where the doctors basically don't have any um, medicine or anything else that they can offer to help her. Um, they've recommended that she just go on hospice, and they're not giving her a whole lot of time in the natural. Um, so that's, Catherine will be there. Um, her family's coming back in like a week, but she's, we don't know how long she's going to be there. So she's there taking care of that situation. <clears throat> and so I just want us to um, release rest over Catherine. Um, I know that she's, um, the, she's a minister in this situation. She's carrying the gospel. She's carrying Jesus. You know, Catherine has seen awesome miracles in her life um, through her union with Christ. And so I just feel really led to just, and I, I kind of get a sense when things are Catherine's miracles or whose miracle they are. You know, I'll be like, oh, well, that's Catherine's miracle. That's that miracle or whatever. And I just really believe that this is Catherine's breakthrough. And um, so it's going to be really imperative that she just enters into that place. And so, Lord, we just thank you for you walking in Catherine. Thank you for a Holy Spirit possession <laughs> for Catherine. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, that you're manifesting through Catherine, through her lips, through her words, through her hands, through her actions, through the gift of faith, through the gifts of the Spirit, <clears throat> through just every poor of her being, God. You're flowing. And Lord, I thank you that you have prepared her for this moment. Thank you that this is her victory. This is her miracle. This is her opportunity to defeat cancer. <laughs> it's already been defeated. And I thank you, Lord, that she is wielding the sword of the Spirit like an expert. And I thank you, Lord, that she is taking no prisoners. That she is absolutely annihilating your enemy, which is death. We stand with her. And, Lord, we take a moment just to see Inga, her mom, healed. We declare, Lord, that with long life you are satisfying, Inga, and that every, every scheme of the enemy to bring deception and to bring fear and to, to oppose 
this victory, Father, is just completely thwarted. We just declare, Father, that he is powerless. He's been defeated. He's stripped. He's nothing. And uh, we thank you, Father, for this absolute turnaround and this miracle bringing you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, Tommy, do you want to give us an update on Norm? Do you have a minute? Do you can get, come up and just give us an update on Norm so we'll know kind of what's happening? Uh, Norm is, um, he's expected to be released on Tuesday. He still has some cysts growing. Uh, the good news is that they did have surgery the other day, and they drained one of the cysts that was actually even cutting up his, out his breath. Um, we have been trying to get an appointment with the uh, University of Colorado in Denver, and we finally got the go-ahead that we're going to get over there, but it's going to be an outpatient. And um, he's resting. I wish I could say he's bouncing off the walls and bored and all that stuff, but he's not. Um, he still needs prayer. We really believe God's going to heal him, but I, I just can't give you that the manifestation is there yet. Yeah. So. You know, it's funny, Tommy, while you were talking, because I really hadn't gotten anything um, up until you started speaking. And there's a, there's a testimony. Um, Heidi Baker's testimony is the one that's coming to mind for me. If you read her books, um, and I can't remember if it's more than enough or which one of her books it is, it just talks about um, just th- this battle that she went through that was, like, very serious. I mean, I, I can't even remember exactly what the sickness was. But um, the enemy just came against her really hard, and obviously... He wasn't successful. Matter of fact, through that experience, I mean, she just came out with a vengeance through that. And um, I just know with my heart of hearts that that is exactly what's going on with Norm. Like, I know that in my knower. And so, Father, I agree. Have what? Yeah. That's, That's a confirmation for what you've gotten as well. So, Lord, we thank you that Norm is a general in the spirit. We thank you that he is entering into just the the season of just absolute power and glory. And that this weapon that's been formed against him will absolutely not prosper. We just declare that it has no authority or any um, room in Jesus' name. We thank you that what the enemy has meant for harm, Lord, you actually are using for good. And the enemy is going to absolutely pay, absolutely pay for this attack. We just speak death to this pancreatitis in Jesus' name. We just speak healing from the top of Norm's head to the bottom of his feet, Father. We just get in agreement with your plan and your edict and your um, report. Ah. In Jesus' name, yeah, we just declare you are just a powerless. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just release your angels. <laughs> we release for ministering servants, Father, for Norm and Tommy and their whole family, Lord. And we call him healed. We call him whole. 
we call no trace. Like it never happened, God. Stronger. More dangerous to the enemy. speak to those cysts right now in Jesus' name, and we say, you dissolve. You dissolve in Jesus' name. We command that pancreas, Father, to be healed. We command new creative miracles in that body right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.